the Subcommittee on Indian and Insular Affairs will come to order. Without objection, the chair is authorized to declare recess of the subcommittee at any time. The subcommittee is meeting today to hear testimony on examining the opportunities and challenges of land consolidation in Indian country. Under committee rule 4F, any oral opening statements at hearings are limited to the chairman and the ranking minority member. I therefore ask unanimous consent that all other members' opening statements be made part of the hearing record if they are submitted in accordance with Committee Rule 3.0. Without objection, so ordered. I will now recognize myself for an opening statement. <clears throat> the purpose of today's hearing is to hear from tribal leaders and originally from the Bureau of Indian Affairs about land fractionation, land consolidation, and the challenges that Indian tribes and individual uh, Indian landowners face as a result, land fractionation is the result is the result of the policies implemented by the federal government for American Indians during what we refer to as the allotment period. Beginning with the General Allotment Act of 1887, the federal government divided tribal lands into 80 or 160 acre sections to be allotted to individual tribal members. Any land not allotted was sold off which resulted in approximately 90 million acres of Indian land being removed from Indian ownership and control. Congress formally ended and repudiated the failed policy of allotment with the Indian Reorganization Act in 1934, but the impacts are still felt today. Because individual Indian allotments initially followed state laws for inheritance, property interest in individually allotted lands were inherited by multiple heirs. When the original tribal owners died intestate, that is without a will, the ownership of the land was divided equally amongst their heirs, but the physical land itself was not divided, resulting in co-ownership of the land between those heirs. As time passes and more generations die without writing wills, the number of co-owners with a fractionated interest increases exponentially. Many of the fractionated interest owners only have a small fraction of a claim to the land that they own. To put this into perspective, if a parcel of land earns $100 for grazing purposes and an individual interest owner has a 2% claim for that land, they would only receive $2. In 2018, after implementation of the land buyback program, the Department of the Interior estimated that there were 243,000 landowners who owned nearly 2.5 million interests in 100,000 fractionated parcels. As this subcommittee has explored in previous hearings, barriers to land use and the development of land in Indian country frequently discourage economic development and investment. Fractionated lands are another barrier to development because generally a majority interest is needed to make land use decisions. If an allotment has 50 or 100 co-owners, it can be unaffordable and logistically prohibitive to gain a majority interest agreement for land use. As a result, adjacent tribally controlled land can remain undeveloped and individual Indian landowners do not receive the benefits. Congress has attempted to address Indian land fractionation in multiple ways, through providing pathways for tribes to consolidate lands, creating and reforming the probate process for Native Americans, and also creating land buyback programs to purchase fractionated interest from willing sellers. 
the largest of which was the land buyback program that was part of the Cobell v. Salazar settlement. The Cobell settlement was negotiated by the Obama administration and funded through congressional legislation. $1.9 billion was set aside from the $3.4 billion settlement to make a concerted effort to resolve fractionization through a 10-year voluntary land buyback program. It has not been as successful as we had hoped. The buyback program conducted consolidation actions from 2012 to 2022 and set offers to 63,763 individual Indian landowners in 53 different locations. Ultimately, $1.69 billion was paid out to Indian landowners, increasing or creating tribal ownership in over 51,000 tracts of land, with 1,916 tracts reaching 100% tribal trust ownership. While this program made some progress in reducing land fractionation, the Department of the Interior's own final report included two statistics that I would like to highlight today. The program identified more than 2.9 million purchasable fractional interests, and after the program now there are still 2.4 million purchasable fractional interests remaining. And even with the concerted 10-year efforts of the buyback program, Without further action, the rate of fractionization will bypass pre-buyback program levels in just 14 years. It is obvious that funding massive buyback programs is not the be-all and end-all in ending land fractionization. We have to do better for Indian country. There are further policies-focused opportunities to reduce land fractionation and purchase consolidation within Indian reservations. This hearing today will have our witnesses talk about their experiences with the land buyback program and what other efforts tribes, organizations, and individual landowners, Indian landowners, are taking to prevent further fractionization of land interests. We can all work towards cohesive, interrelated solutions that prevent further fractionization and advocates and advocate for informed land management. This hearing continues this conversation that has been happening now for decades. I want to thank the witnesses for being with us today. I look forward to your testimony. The chair now recognizes the ranking minority member for her statement. Thank you and good morning everyone and thank you to our witnesses for joining us today. I want to begin today perhaps slightly different. Yesterday, we lost N. Scott Mamaday. He died in his home in Santa Fe, New Mexico. As you all know, his novel, House of Dawn, won the Pulitzer Prize in 1969 and is largely credited with igniting a wave of modern Native American literature. Mr. Mamaday once said, our very existence consists in our imagination of ourselves. He showed us the power of storytelling and oral tradition, bringing imagination to life. He also spoke of the importance of the land and the importance of his peoples and his imagination in line with in the land. He reminded us that uh, we must have a deep ethical regard for the land. We had better learn from it. Surely, that ethic is merely latent in ourselves. It must now be activated, I believe. We Americans must come again to a moral comprehension of earth and air. We must live according to the principle of a land ethic. The alternative is, the alternative is that we shall not live at all. I think that this poet's words ring true today as we think about how do we best 
allow and help Native Americans regain the land and regain full interest in the land that is theirs. Because today we are discussing the critical importance of the United States' trust responsibility to tribes when it comes to managing lands and the issues facing land fractionation. We know that land fractionation is a direct result of the devastating and misguided allotment and assimilation period of the late 19th and early 20th century. The General Allotment Act of 1887 was a keystone of those failed policies. I remember clearly the maps that we have all seen as the land that was once tribal and just shrinks and shrinks and shrinks over time. It dictated that law, the forced conversion of communally held tribal lands into separate 80 and 160 acre parcels. Fractionation happens when someone passes away and little by little, that land is so deeply fractionated, it is de difficult to manage and difficult to own. The Cobal Settlement Agreement in 2010 was one of the most significant results of the Department of Interior Land Acquisition Programs. The purpose of the settlement was to resolve a class action lawsuit regarding the federal government's accounting and management of over 300 individual Indian trust accounts. Part of that was the creation of the $1.9 billion Trust Land Consolidation Fund to permit DOA to purchase at fair market value lands of fractionated ownership from willing individual Indian trust beneficiaries. The land buyback program ran from 2012 to 2022. In these 10 years, tribal ownership increased by 2.97 million acres across 53 locations. While we must recognize that this wasn't enough, it was something. With increased land consolidation, tribes can exercise tribal sovereignty and self-determination over their lands that better suit their community needs. They can actually carry out that land ethic that Mama Day calls us to. The land buyback program took significant steps to correct misguided policies and tribes have seen the benefits. However, land fractionation continues to be a significant issue. After the program expired in 2022, approximately 2.4 million fractional areas remained at 150 locations. That's 5.6 million acres with an estimated value of several billion dollars. The BIA estimated that as fiscal year 2023, it had a backlog of more than 32,000 inheriting cases for these lands. BIA's 2024 budget requested $30.5 million to hire 22 staff to continue the land consolidation efforts and purchase fractional interest at an additional five locations. In fiscal year 2023, they only received $8 million. $8 million when the request was 30.5, and we know we need so much more. Giving tribes more control and sovereignty over the lands will continue to be a priority of mine on this committee, and it needs to be for the entire Congress. I know the tribes here today are going to go into more detail about their experiences with the Land Buyback Program, and I look forward to hearing from you on this issue and on ways in which we can make it better and continue our progress to a land ethic. Thank you. Thank you. I will now introduce our witnesses for our panel. We had anticipated that Director LeCount would be testifying this morning on behalf of the Bureau of Indian Affairs. However, we were informed this morning that he is ill and unable to attend, 
And while I definitely hope that he gets better soon, I will state that I am disappointed in BIA's absence as their involvement in these discussions is critical to finding workable solutions. So hopefully we will have the opportunity to engage them before too long, much more time passes. First to the Honorable Marvin Weatherwax, Councilmember Blackfeet Tribal Business Council, Browning, Montana. The Honorable Ryman LeBeau, Chairman, Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe, Eagle Butte, South Dakota. Thank you for coming back. The Honorable Victoria Kitchikan, Chair One, Winnebago Tribe in Nebraska, Winnebago, Nebraska. Again, thank you for being in front of our committee again today. And Mr. Chris Stainbrook, or, uh, President Indian Land Tenure Foundation, Little Canada, Minnesota. Thank you all for joining us. I would like to remind the witnesses that under committee rules, they must limit their oral statements to five minutes, but their entire statement will appear in the hearing record. To begin your testimony, please press the talk button on the microphone, and we use timing lights. When you begin, the light will turn green. When you have one minute left, the light will turn yellow, and at the end of five minutes, the light will turn red, and I will ask you to please complete your statement. I will also allow all witnesses on the panel to testify before we begin with our member questioning. The chair now recognizes the Honorable Marvin Weatherwax for five minutes. 